I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at RAINNetwork.com. Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. My name is Emma Kami, and I will be your host today. The inescapable headline from the past few days has been about the U.S. intelligence leaks centered on information about the war in Ukraine. Here to talk about what they are, and more importantly, what they mean, is Sam Lichtenstein, RAIN's Director of Analysis. Welcome, Sam. Hey, Emma. Thanks so much for having me. So to start us off, can you set the stage for us and explain what we know about these documents uh, and how they became public? Sure. So this is a pretty wild story. And of course, there's been a ton of news coverage the past few days. So I'll try to cut through uh, a lot of the noise and try to get to the proverbial signal. Now, we're, of course, learning more every day about the genesis of these documents. But to really try to make this very complex story as straightforward as I can, uh, I guess the weekend uh, of April 8th or so, uh, the New York Times started reporting and then was quickly picked up by a number of other news outlets, the story that this tranche of classified documents uh, from the U.S. intelligence community had appeared online. Uh, And it quickly became clear, uh, as from reporting from a whole lot of other news agencies, that these documents were spread over a host of different online channels. And they had come to light because they had eventually spread to slightly more mainstream platforms like Telegram or 4chan uh, and Twitter. But their genesis actually was in a much more uh, kind of niche corner of the internet, principally on uh, like gaming platforms like Discord, uh, etc., that most of us don't really interact with on a daily basis. Uh, but what we've learned the past few days is that even though the story only came to light now, uh, the weekend of April 8th or so, these documents seem to have been circulating online for some time. Uh, most of the documents seem to have been uploaded uh, at the beginning of March, uh, and then there's also a lot of evidence evidence to suggest that some of these have actually been floating around for longer, potentially actually as far back as January. Now, crucially, I want to make very clear here that we don't know still the source of these documents. There's a lot of reporting to suggest that this is actually an individual who was active in some of these online gaming communities and basically wanted to kind of, for lack of a better expression, show off uh, to his buddies that he or she was able to acquire these documents uh, But we still don't know if that is a correct theory. Um, It doesn't actually seem to have been a kind of foreign intelligence penetration of one of the U.S. intelligence communities, but rather seems to be a proverbial insider threat. And so the basics seem to be that this person posted a lot of these documents uh, at the beginning of the year because they were in such niche corners of the Internet. They weren't widely picked up. And it's only when they finally migrated their way to places like Telegram and then especially Twitter, uh, which is of course, much more high profile that major news organizations start to take notice uh, and the full scale of the breach uh, has become to be seen. Uh, While any intelligence leak is, of course, concerning, uh, why are these getting so much attention? 
Yeah, of course, anytime you have classified intelligence that's leaked publicly, it, it's a problem. Uh, you talk, obviously, uh, for a whole variety of reasons, everything from the proverbial uh, sources and methods, how the information was actually acquired, to then the actual information itself. Uh, these leaks are interesting for a few reasons. Uh, and I also just kind of want to note to our, our listeners here that, uh, you know, I have came from uh, over four years in the U.S. intelligence community, so seeing these types of documents is definitely familiar to me, and so I hope I can provide a, a little bit of a more nuanced perspective here. Um, one of the things that, of course, is notable is that these are very recent documents. Uh, previously, when we've had intelligence leaks, uh, we're looking at documents that are many years uh, or certainly much longer than just a few weeks old. But in some cases, you have information about, for instance, the ongoing uh, spring offensives from Russian and Ukrainian forces, so literally things that are happening right now. A second thing that makes these interesting is that the documents seem to be basically all finished intelligence. And what I mean by that is we're not actually looking at the raw, quote unquote, sources of intelligence, be it, uh, you know, specific information that was gleaned from human sources or intercepted telephone communications, but actually the analytic assessments that were made about them. Uh, and so that's interesting because you can actually see what the views of at least a portion of the intelligence community is about a given topic. Um, um, a third thing I'd highlight is, of course, while these are focused on the war in Ukraine, as always, uh, it really ropes in a whole variety of actors. And so uh, they're concerning because, of course, they raise a whole host of diplomatic challenges um, and quite a bit of awkwardness, to say the least, for a number of key U.S. allies and partners, uh, ranging from countries like South Korea to Egypt, uh, and then even places like Haiti and Serbia that are suddenly in the news because of allegations and assessments that the U.S. intelligence community is making regarding them. So taken together, of course, you have this high-profile event, namely the Russian-Ukraine invasion war, that is framing all these events, but you begin to rope in all of these other countries. And so whenever you have classified intelligence where people believe that either their conversations are protected or, more awkwardly, don't realize their conversations uh, and their plans are actually being monitored by the United States, you have a whole host of complications that come with U.S. relations uh, with its allies. And given that intelligence sharing has been a really, really key part of the Ukraine conflict, and the United States has really shown an intelligence advantage uh, in being able to forecast what the Russians are going to do. Anything that calls into question the U.S. or allied ability to protect secrets is, of course, a big concern. Are there any serious impacts that we're likely to see on the battlefield in Ukraine from these leaks? Yeah, and this is where, to be honest, Emma, I do think some of the reporting, if I'm being blunt, is a bit hyperbolic. Um, as I said, anytime, of course, you have an intelligence leak, it's a concern. Uh, there's no way in which uh, an intelligence leak can be a proverbial good outcome. Uh, but I do want to caution against reading too far into these uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, the first I'd suggest is that to your immediate question, they don't fundamentally alter anything about the conflict. Actually, the vast majority of assessments that were made uh, were things that are well known and widely reported in the media. Um, they're not exactly going to be things that are surprises to our adversaries, namely Russia. Um, so we're not looking at any critical secrets here that are somehow going to alter uh, what we're seeing on the battlefield. 
Um, a second thing I'd highlight here is that uh, unlike, say, the Snowden documents, uh, which, of course, as you know, all of our listeners can, can remember over a decade ago now, Edward Snowden leaked this massive amount of information about these wholesale intelligence systems uh, that most Americans, let alone you know, foreigners, didn't even realize were happening, uh, namely uh, signals intelligence collection by the National Security Agency. These leaks don't actually indicate any novel intelligence capability. They're not revealing uh, any classified programs in massive depth uh, that were not already assumed to be the case. Uh, so while, of course, they're uh, concerning and, of course, diplomatically awkward uh, when you see that, for instance, the United States is monitoring the communications uh, of some of its allies and partners, that, of course, is somewhat expected within the intelligence community, and you don't have any sort of these massive leaks about NSA-type programs that are sweeping up massive you know, collection of people's communications in a way that you had revealed in the wake of the Snowden leaks. And so for those reasons, uh, while, of course, these are, are concerning, uh, I would say that you don't actually see any fundamental changes on the battlefield. If there is anything that I think, at least in the near term, that you might see is, of course, there's inevitably going to have to be a clampdown on intelligence sharing, both within the United States government and potentially with our foreign uh, allies and partners. And that could have some secondary impacts. And what I mean by that is, you know, the United States is, of course, a massive intergovernmental process for the intelligence community. And thousands and thousands of people have access to these and, and other much more sensitive documents, to be honest. So whenever you have a leak like this, there inevitably has to be some sort of coal of information acquisition and proliferation. So absolutely, you can expect that fewer people are going to be getting some of these briefings. Uh, and perhaps most concerningly for the war effort, there's the potential that there's going to be less intelligence sharing both from the United States to foreign allies and then crucially from foreign allies and partners back to the United States. Uh, and since so much of this cooperation in the intelligence sphere has been really key to supporting the Ukrainians, if there is any hint that the United States can't protect its secrets and or that the United States is actually kind of working behind the scenes to go against or at least collect intelligence about its supposed allies and partners, that sets up a situation where at least in the near term, people are going to be thinking twice about sharing things. And even if we haven't revealed any major new programs, if I'm a you know Russian intelligence officer and I see some of these reports, I may not know specifically about specific programs that were able to collect them, but if I'm able to see, okay, this information was collected via signals intelligence or this via human intelligence, you at least are able to narrow down where you need to be looking for the U.S. penetration of your systems. And that, of course, certainly in the near term, but crucially over time, could lead to complications. Well, that was a great analysis. Thank you, Sam. Of course. Thanks so much for having me, Emma. You can learn how geopolitical events like this could affect your business with Rain Worldview. Our flagship risk intelligence products provide clients with access to the insights and analyses they need to make more informed decisions and drive better risk management outcomes. Sign up at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emma Kami. Thanks for listening.